There's a lot of things that people can do that they should be doing as long as they know how to automate it because you don't want to buy a job. That's the biggest problem that I see with entrepreneurs is that they don't want to invest enough to where they want an opportunity, but they also want a passive opportunity, but then they don't pay enough to get the right opportunity that can actually be passive. They actually buy themselves into a job. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this interview Wednesday of A Call to Leadership. I'm Dr. Nate Sal, your host, and we're going to tackle the tough questions about feeling stuck in your financial situation finding yourself constantly working long hours, never making the progress you want in your business or your personal life. Well, when it's time to take control of your financial future and achieve true freedom and abundance, then this episode is for you. Join us as we tackle the tough questions around passive income, mindset, mastery with Brent Stone who is a successful entrepreneur expert in creating wealth through passive income streams, asking the question, what limiting beliefs may be holding us back? I've invited J.R. Spear to help me co-host this episode. I'm so excited to have them both superstars in this episode. Can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. Brent... Thanks for being here, coming all the way to St. Louis just to be on the show. Hey, I'm honored to be here. Right? Thank you so much. JR Spear, thanks for being my co-host. Hey, today. thanks for inviting me. How about it, right? Yeah. We got two superstars on a call to leadership. Well, Brent, you know, we've had some time together and I wanted you to come on the show because of not only what you do, but who you are makes a difference. And I want to unpack some of the aspects of your business model, your passion, because I believe that you help people. And these are areas, as we begin to unpack them, are areas that I'm also passionate about, especially coming from an accounting and advisory perspective. People are always looking for ways, you know, how can I find financial freedom? Yeah. And you've tapped into that. And so we're going to have a talk around what you've discovered. Sounds great. How about it? But it doesn't start there, right? No. It doesn't start where you are today. Let's dive into how you got to the place where you are right now based on some of the challenges you've you've faced. Sure. Yeah. Be happy to. So when I got started as an entrepreneur, I was pretty young. I was 18 years old and not a lot of financial maturity. And to the point to where the car I was driving was like valued at $2,500. It was a little 93 Honda Civic lime green with bumpers falling off of it. And, you know, the type of bumpers that you would see in the Fast and the Furious. I mean, it was just not professional. I just thought it was cool and it wasn't a great financial decision, but that kind of sets the tone of where I was mentally when I was going into business for myself. And how old were you at the time? 18 years old. You're 18, $2,500 car. Yeah. Was it a hoopty? I mean, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. For me, it was like, if I put the music up too loud, bumpers would fall off. I mean, it wasn't a nice car. Yeah, but you wrote it with style. I did for a while until the bumper started falling off. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and what kind of work were you in? So I was a busboy at Outback Steakhouse. So the car yeah. was okay for that kind of work. Sure. Yeah. But that's not where you wanted to be. No, Is that what you're all. saying? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a good starting point. Is that your first car? My dad allowed me to drive his 96 Impala SS, which have no idea why he let me drive that thing. That had a Corvette LT1 V8 in it. Oh. And I definitely drove it like that 
<laughs> wow. So the was this your second? Your the, first car that I wanted to cough up money and put towards, but he let me use his car to drive to work and save and do that type of thing in the very beginning. I love the conversation around first cars. What was your first car, JR? Remember? 1988 Chevy Cavalier Z24 paid $1,500 cash for. You paid for it's it? Awesome. I did. It Dude. was all the years of saving, getting the coins underneath my dad's couch. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. And I remember those. Those were slick. I mean, I loved it, but it got me in too much trouble. My first car was an 82 Buick Regal, 900 bucks. My mom bought it, which was a problem because it got confiscated. <laughs> it was truly a hoopty. Every time I made a right turn, I had to put my arm out of the driver's door so it didn't fly open. Mm. One of those kind of cars. Nice. Oh, yeah. Wow. I was on a date once and it wasn't running right, so I jacked it up at front of the QT, and she's in the car, and the car's like you know rising. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? But that's how you start sometimes. Yeah, it is. Right? No yeah, shame it in it. I mean, yeah. it's just, hey, it's got wheels. I can get there. That's right. Yep. That's right. And it got me to work. And so I was able to make money and pay my bills. But of course, because of financial maturity being very low, I didn't stop there. I started to spend more money than I had on fun and recreational activities. And what ended up happening is that I started to realize very quickly that I knew very little about making money, even though, you know, we're all listening to rap music, you know, talking about how we're all, you know, balling big and all this stuff. And, you know, I've got my bumpers falling off my car, but my rims cost more of my car, you know, like that kind of mentality. Right. And I had to get past a certain point. And that's when I got contacted about building network marketing, which at the time I didn't know what even, that even meant. I just saw it as an opportunity for me to open up an online business for, you know, under a thousand bucks. And it was actually a lot less than that. But essentially, when I got started with that, there was a coaching team in place and there was people that had gone before me and I could learn from them. And I just drilled people with questions for, I mean, I was so hungry to learn. And that's how I really got my start. So how old were you when you transitioned from the busboy to going to Amway or did you do them both at the same time? So I turned 18 years old in February. And then I literally was contacted about that business within 30 days of that. Right. And then I got started like mid to late March. All right. So the big question is like, cause you're a smart guy and I know you're like so detailed when it comes to the questions you ask. So when you were in transitioning from being the bus boy, going to Amway, what were the types of questions that you asked to make sure that was even a good fit for you to move forward in that opportunity? You know, I wasn't as smart then as I am now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not... I'm not sitting here trying to put myself, I wouldn't even consider myself like brilliant now, but basically then what I was really looking for was just a way that I could have a business of my own without having to take out, you know, huge capital outlay. Cause number one, no one was going to lend me any money. I mean, no one. And I mean, I would have absolutely been a big banking risk. If I would have gone into a bank, nobody would have given me the money. I had no expertise in business. Plus people don't get loans to start network marketing businesses. You don't need that. So that was just, in my mind, it was a perfect fit because I could start something for, you know, 200 bucks. Right. So this was Amway? Yeah. Amway. Yeah. Now, did you participate in Amway? I did not. Did not? I didn't either. I did. But we both did network marketing. You did network marketing. Yeah, I did too. plenty of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my first network marketing gigs was this was this new fax service. And it was supposed to be the next thing since sliced bread. It was a fax machine. It was your voicemail. It was a PDA, personal digital assistant. It was everything. And so I was like, oh, wow, for $300. Then I can get my downline and I can get all kinds of people to sell this for me and I'm going to be rich, right? Well, it's interesting. I never really focused on selling stuff, even though the first couple of weeks I was involved, I went door to door. I did all the things. And even though I was terrified, I just wanted to follow the checklist of things of like what you're supposed to do if you're going to be successful. 
but I saw the big vision. I was like, listen, if I had, you know, 50,000 people on my team doing stuff, I was going to be all okay financially. So I just started talking to everyone and I had this really sick work ethic for basically two years. And so that's good. Yeah. Okay. But these are two points that I want to make sure our audience hears. One, you were an insatiable learner. You had a deep yeah. desire to learn. Yes. And you had an amazing insatiable drive. Yes. Right. Those are, I think, JR, you tell me what you, how you feel about it, but those are essential, I think, to really thriving as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, but the other thing, the reason why I asked the question I did before about questions is because I think as entrepreneurs, we need to be curious and we need to be good at asking specific questions to yeah. really get to the root of the problems or even where we want to go. And so that's the big reason why I was like, hey, you know, what were the questions that you asked to help you make that right decision? Because everything we need to do, we need to be curious. We need to know like, okay, what do I need to know? before I make the specific decision. I was just incompetently incompetent. Like I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. And then I hit this level after probably nine months of like beating my head up against the wall and nobody wanted to be in my business. I was like, I'm now becoming competently incompetent. Like, oh, wow, I'm very abrasive. I'm not only scared of people, but I'm abrasive once I start talking to them. And so like I was also reading self-development books, sales psychology books and all these things throughout this time frame. And I literally, I can't tell you how many thousands of hours I spent reading after I would get home at 10, 11 o'clock at night after just walking around town for six hours at my local Walmart. I mean, literally just trying to talk to people. And most people would never even dream of doing that especially after having weeks of dry spells, not getting one phone number. And I talked to multiple people a day. And so it was just like, at some point, something just breaks in you and you just get to this point where you're just like, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to figure this out. And all of a sudden you just build it off of like, you're just mad. You're just like, I'm going to figure this out. And there's a lot there to unpack, but that's essentially what really got me to even sharpen and start asking the right questions. Because before yeah. then it was just, again, incompetently incompetent. I didn't know what I didn't know. Well, something that you hit on Dr. Nate was uh, you know, the drive and being able to go through it. Now, me and you were having a conversation about something else earlier about commitment and what that takes to actually get to where you want to go. Yeah. How important was the commitment and the drive for you to be able to do what you do to help you get to where you want to go? Well, the reason why most people don't get traction in network marketing, which by the way, I do want to say this. I love network marketing. I don't build it anymore, but it was the training ground that taught me servant-based leadership for sure. And there's really only a couple places in my opinion that servant-based leadership really exists because out in like corporate world, in my opinion, it's different because if people are on your payroll leadership is different. It looks different. Like if you're in the military, leadership looks different. If you're part of a church organization, leadership is different than those two previous examples I just gave. So like every organization, depending upon like pay structure and how people operate, it's all different, right? Well, in network marketing, you got to lead people like they're like your volunteer army. They're not making money. If they're making money, it's not much in the beginning. They have to really sell out. And what ends up happening is that when people make the decision to sell out, that's when they start becoming successful because then people can believe in them. But most people play this mental ping pong for sometimes for years before they ever get to that point. I was just so young and naive. I stopped the mental ping pong early and I was just like, I'm doing this. And then people were like, man, he's doing this. And then, but you can do that in any business. Literally, you can do that in any business or industry. People can be like, hey, I'm going to follow this person because of they're not, they're, I mean, tenacity, sure, but really it's their, their confidence in what they're doing. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. You know, I tend to look at confidence as just assurance, right? Tenacity is that will to overcome any obstacle. And I think both of them are, they need to be in your toolbox. 
Yeah. Right. Because you're going to face tremendous adversity. Yeah. So what happened with Amway? Was it tremendous adversity? Did you keep going with that? Oh, yeah. I pushed through it. I was one of the youngest people in North America at the time in 2006 to qualify silver, gold. And then within nine months of that, I qualified platinum. So it took you that long. So you're such a slacker. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. slacker. Yeah. I think based upon the numbers, people that actually will make the level of income that they quote is like the top 1%. So I think that I was pretty impressed with myself back then. I had a problem with pride. And after I started to get traction because of everyone telling me, oh, you'd never make it, it really messed me up. And so I actually backslid in my business and my business took a nosedive for like two years or so before I started to rebuild it. And then I rebuilt it again. And by the time I was doing that, I'd met my wife and then she helped me like triple the size of what my business was previously before it backslid because I was such a hard worker. I'd let you know people fall through the cracks. I wouldn't follow up with people. Hey, if you don't want to do this, no problem. I'll go find someone else. If you get to know my wife, she's incredible. And she came on behind me and she, you know, with like white gloves would handle people and, you know, (laughs) take care of people for me. And I was just gone. Like every day I was just, if someone wasn't interested, I'm going to the next person. And so it was probably not the right way to approach that. But for me, that's what I knew and it worked. And the people that really wanted to come with me came with me. And then she did phenomenal at just kind of picking up the pieces of this like hurricane wreckage that I left in my wake. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. How'd you two meet? So funny story. I worked like 15 different jobs over the course of my first year I was building the Amway business because if I had an employer, oh, you're that guy. I was that guy. <sighs> and I'm really big on committing to a job. But at the time, because I just saw my business as a solution, not like a $9 an hour job or a $7 an hour job. If my boss wanted to give me an issue about not going to like a self-development thing, even if it like, I mean, literally I was really good about saying, Hey, I need these dates off, but I will work any other time that you need me. But like literally it would be like when they would schedule me for things and not take me seriously on the times that I told them that I needed off, I'd basically just give them a two weeks notice and go find another job. You're not going to control my dream. You're not going to control my future. You're paying me $7 an hour. I can go find another $7 an hour job. And this was early 2000s, but you know. That's important, man, because that's clarity, right? It wasn't going to stand in your way. That's actually pretty bold to do that. I mean, those were distractions. They were distractions and I really didn't like it. It's not like I wanted to just give up on my only source of income to go find something else because that was additional stress and energy that I had to put towards something else. But I would not let it get in the way of my self-development and investing in myself. And then also I wanted to be a good example to the people I was bringing on board. Were you working at like- Bigger than network marketing. That's just in any, should be in any business. Were they like fast food places, things like that? So- I actually didn't work at Outback Steakhouse very much longer after I got started in the network marketing business. What year was that? That was 2006. 2006. Yeah. And how long did you work for them? Maybe a year. Just a year? Yeah, maybe a year. Yeah, and then- Did you you like their steaks? You know, at the time, yeah, because that was what I could afford. (laughs) Actually, I couldn't even afford it, but because I worked there, I got discounts on the food. But yeah, I mean, at the time, yeah, I, I did like them. But that's not where you met your wife. No, but you know, what's funny. She did work at Outback Steakhouse as a waitress just years later. I'm three years older than her. So we missed each other by a little bit. But what's really interesting is I was working. So you asked what job, how did I meet her? So I was working a job as an office manager of a dental practice actually at the time. And this was a dental practice that, that was very financially successful. And the owner, she was very good with people. She taught me a lot about the dental business and she really had a way with people. She was just very compassionate. And anyway, there's a lot that I can say about that, but she taught me 
probably more than I wanted to know. Honestly, she had me in charge of about 30 employees and she had three other specialist doctors. And I was 20 years old at the time I managed that thing. And I mean, we're talking like a business that <laughs> I call it a business because literally that's how we ran it. I mean, it was you know like 3 million plus a year kind of a thing. So, I mean, it was a substantial practice. A big responsibility. It was a big responsibility. And the only reason why I got the job is because I had success in Amway. Because one of my friends from high school saw what I was doing with Amway and I was leading this team of people and was like, you need to talk to my friend Brent. And I was essentially just building the business in the evenings and weekends so I could still work a full-time job. And I was, I was at the time, I think I was working construction before I got off. No, I was working actually as a leasing consultant for a local college housing complex at the time. Before I was there, I was working construction. (laughs) So what did she teach you? If you could say in one sentence, the most valuable thing she taught you. How you treat people impacts the loyalty they have to you. Yeah. Yeah. And like how you make them feel. Because there are certain things that happen there. It, people would probably leave if in other circumstances. But she always had a way of making people just like inspiring people to just stay around and you know stick with it. I mean, it wasn't an easy job what we were doing. We were... It's really fascinating because someone listening is in the position as an employer and they get to mentor someone who's young and who will be impressionable and you'll get to share some wisdom that will, I mean, you were 20, how old are you now? I'm 35. So 15 years later, it still yeah. resonates with you. Yeah. You could be listening and that could be you. So don't forget that because people who work for you are listening and watching to see what your behavior is, to see how you treat people, to oh, see yeah. how you run your business. Secondly, you may be listening on the other side. You may be 20. You say, oh man, I feel like I'm in a dead end job. What can you learn from the owner? What can you learn from who you work with? Yeah. What can you grow? How can you do it? Every opportunity is an opportunity to learn. That's right. Yeah. So there was a quote that someone said on my podcast a while back, and he said it more in a relationship standpoint, but I looked at it from a more of a leadership standpoint too, but it's really simple. The way that you respond is everything. Oh yeah. So going from the leadership standpoint of the way that your manager or the person from the dental practice and the way that she responded increased the loyalty for you and helped you get to where you go. But that applies to everything that we do in life. You know, we can respond in a very negative way and get into very negative results, or we can respond in a very positive way and get a positive result. Yeah. And that attracts for every aspect when it comes to that. Yeah. I did want to hit on, you know, something that Dr. Nate always talks to me about is vision. Yeah. And the reason why I want to do that, because for you in your early days of working at Outback and going to Amway, you were in control of where you wanted to go. Like you have this vision of what your life looked like and how you wanted it to be. And you weren't going to allow anything to get in the way. What was your vision back then? And how often has that changed over the years to get to where you're at today? Great question. So my vision was just passive income. Now I've refined that to like amounts of money and other things, but basically my vision initially, because mind you, I was making under $10,000 a year. I mean, like significantly less than that. You know, I'm 18 years old, busting tables, I mean, I'm excited about 60 bucks, you know, I mean, it might as well have been $6,000 to me, you know, if I make that in like tip share on nightly basis, which that's a whole nother conversation, tip share. That's a fun topic all in itself. We split tips with the servers. They hated that (laughs) because they're the one working, you know, they're the one actually doing the sales portion of the night. They split it with the busters, which a whole nother conversation. But basically my vision was passive income. I could care less about making if you would have wrote me a check, be like, hey, Brent, we'll give you $100,000 if you come work for us over here for six months. Or if you stick to your vision of building the Amway business and you were able to make $50,000 a year for the next 50 years and it was guaranteed income. I mean, even though it was $50,000 less in the next 
foreseeable future, I would have taken the lesser amount. Of, I would have taken $10,000 a year for the next 50 years because it's just in my mind, I saw the security with the passive income you know, give me passive income and I can always go out and trade my time and make more money. My skill set's going to go up. My experience is going to go up. Today, I can command a lot higher per hour dollar rate if I worked a job. I could make a whole lot more per hour than I could back then when I was busting tables. And But I still have the passive income now. So I will always be making more money than someone else that doesn't understand that, if that makes sense. So how did you use your vision to drive the decisions that you made? I just never forgot what I was doing. I just literally every day, like for example, when I was working construction, that was a grinding schedule. I would get up at like 4.30, 4.45 every morning and I had to be at the job site by daylight. And this was summer, winter, whatever. I laid block during this time frame, and I was also in carpentry. And so one job, we were actually building a 4,000 square foot log house and that was over winter. And there was another job that I worked where the winter before that I was in wintergreen, Virginia, and we were in like this, like $3 million home. And they had this massive fireplace that was, you know, if you can imagine like 14 feet across and probably 20 feet high. And we had scaffolding. Well, it was like negative two degrees when we'd get there when it was like daybreak and I'm sitting there mixing mortar. And you can believe that I didn't want to do that forever. And I told myself, I'm worth $9 and 75 cents an hour right now mixing as I mix this mortar. Unless I raise my own value somehow, or unless, you know, God drops something in my lap, which I believe in that more now than I ever have, which has to be combined with hard work. But I was just thinking I have to do something to increase that value. Like I literally have to do something to increase that value. Otherwise I'm going to be stuck here. And maybe two years from now, I'll be making $10 an hour. <laughs> I was not about that. Two points to that. One, I'm going to talk a little bit about vision. I'm glad you brought that up. But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about this formula you just described without expressing the formula. Knowledge plus practice equals skills. Yes. Stage one. Stage two. Skills plus marketplace equals money. Yes. Stage three. No, stage two. Stage three, money plus investment equals wealth. Yes. We miss this formula so often because we don't understand the mechanics of, I first have to have, this is for people who don't have a trust fund, people who are starting <laughs> yeah. from the way we started, right? Yeah. We still have to start with, you develop knowledge. That's what you did. You said, yeah. I got smart. I figured stuff out. Then I did what? I practiced that knowledge and I developed skills. Those skills then had marketplace value, yeah, which made money, but that wasn't enough. Because my vision, so important you brought up vision because I love Michael Hyatt's definition of distractions. And this is a paraphrase, but I've said it before on the show. He said that distractions come knocking at your doorstep, masquerading as opportunities. The only way to tell the difference is to measure it against your vision. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So for you, contracting work, whatever the $9 an hour job was, it was temporary because it was really a distraction because your vision was passive income. So you were willing to relinquish even $100,000 today for a lifetime of passive income. I was honest when I first said it, but I saw a third thought bubble just came up. It reminds me of an experiment years ago where children were given, I don't know if you've ever seen this experiment before, one piece of candy today or two pieces tomorrow. I've heard of this. You've heard of this. Yes. So, it was a longitudinal study. And what longitudinal means, it just means over a long period of time, lifetime generally. I mean, it could be less, it could be 20, 30 years. And 
So each of the kids were followed. And interestingly, there were parallels and patterns developed with each of these tracts. So the one piece candy kids were what? They were impulsive. Yeah. Right? They could only see today. They didn't have vision. The two piece candy kids thought I get more. I get more if I just if I just, just wait. wait, right? <laughs> so good. <laughs> what happened in their lives? Follow the patterns, right? Later in life, the one piece candy kids became adults. It's more difficult to sustain relationships, hold jobs, save money, fill in the blank. Two piece candy kids, not 100% of them, but you see this parallels in these patterns. We're able to do just that. Get a career, be responsible, have longevity. This is the relationship that you're talking about. Yeah. Is how do I not be a slave to impulse, but have the discipline to focus on the possibility if I just invest whatever it is, a little more time, a little more money, a little more effort. Yeah. The reward can be far greater because what does it do? It compounds and multiplies. Yeah. I mean, it's funny you even say that. I was literally just thinking of Jeff Olson's book, The Slight Edge, and they talk about the penny a day doubled in the story in that book. And that's always stuck with me. That was one of the books that they had us read talking about, would you take a million dollars cash or would you take a penny a day doubled for 30 days? And I forget what the math ends up being, but it's like you know north of $6 million or $7 million or something like that. But most people, they're a penny a day for 30 days and they can only think of like 30 pennies because they're not compounding. They don't know how to do the compounding math in their head, which you know I don't either. But I can at least know that it's going to be a lot more than 30 pennies. So Yeah, because it's exponential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're in Amway. Mm-hmm. You're doing some side hustles. Yeah. Did you meet your wife while she was getting her teeth cleaned? You know what's really funny? <laughs> I didn't, but I was going to have a meeting with one of our managers. She, So this woman that technically reported to me, she managed the back office. She was a nurse and we were going to go and meet and talk about some staff. Well, oddly enough, she had a daughter that was Michelle's age and I'm only three years older than my wife, but basically, so I was pretty young in this management role me and this other woman were going to go to lunch and talk about like some strategy for, you know, employee things that we had to deal with. And sure enough, her daughter shows up to this little Mexican restaurant in Harrisonburg called El Charo, and she's got two friends with her. And so we didn't really get a lot of business stuff done that day, but I was just kind of like, okay, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't very happy about this, but then eventually on the drive back to the office, I was just like, Hey, so what's the deal with this girl, that Michelle girl? And she's like, Oh, She's wild. You don't want any part of that. So literally out of sight, out of mind. I literally took her at her word and I just forgot about her. A year later, I actually resigned from my position at the dental practice within this time. And I was just kind of at the time, I was just working on rebuilding. I was in that rebuilding phase of putting my Amway business back together because I was working like 12 hour, like I kid you not, to get to the dental practice at like 6 a.m. I wouldn't leave until after 6 p.m. most days. And then on Saturdays, I was also there because we were doing surgeries in office on Saturdays. And I was there from probably like 7 a.m. until like one or two on Saturdays. And then so I was trying to, you know, do meetings in the evening times and whatever spare time that I had, I was just run ragged. And so I was rebuilding my Amway business at the time and she pops up on a list. At the time, I was just this guy would call me, wants to build Amway. So, you know, we would go through these lists of names. We would just call people and just try to, you know, get the conversation going. Hey, have you ever considered other ways of creating income? And 
It's so funny. This seems like such like a normal question to me, but like it would just blow your mind how scared people would be just to ask that question or even to get asked that question. It's like (laughs) now I laugh about it, but at the time it was just like, okay, at the time I didn't understand why people were scared to do this, but then, you know, I'm calling, I'm calling. Well, I call Michelle and she didn't call me back for two months. She didn't even call me back. She messaged me on Facebook messenger and is like, Hey, were you trying to get me to work for you for something? And I was like, we should probably just like meet for coffee because I don't really quite understand your question, but I wanted to talk to you about an opportunity. And then so she was like, okay, so we ended up getting coffee and it, nothing started there, but she went into business with us. And, uh, Did you that, take 300 bucks from her. Well, <laughs> I wish, but no, no, I'm just kidding. It would be your part of your registration fee would go to Amway. You get products with that and they would get you all set up in business. And the dollar amounts are different, but essentially I started going to work for her. I went and did some meetings for her. I didn't charge my downline for that. You know what I mean? There's things there. She was cute. In general. I mean, she was, <laughs> she was very cute. She still is very cute, but basically she, like everyone else, I mean, you would do that as a servant leader. You would go and do meetings for your people. So you would earn their trust. And so when you have conferences and things like that, and you need to drive, you know, to St. Louis or to Washington, D.C. or to Florida or to Illinois, you know, so wherever we had a meeting going on in North Carolina, people would get in the car, you'd go with you and we'd take 50 people, 100 people, you know, they have 20,000 people at these conferences. And so for people that want to invest the money and the time off work to go, you had to go and put out like work to help them before they would ever commit to you. And so that was just part of the process. I remember giving hundreds of dollars of tools to people that were like chiropractors and people that I was trying to get into business in like Roanoke, Virginia and other places. And I made like negative money, like on these business trips, because literally these people are making fortunes compared to what I was making on my day job income. And then I hadn't yet hit this quote unquote level of financial success yet. So it was just like, I'm just giving and giving and giving. And eventually it did catch up, but Man, it felt like I was just going into the hole all the time for a long time. Well, you were farming. You know, that's what seed planters do. And I love the servant leadership approach. Yeah. I'm a huge student of it many years. And servant leadership, people will listen to you and say, well, you're just going to be taken advantage of because you keep giving and giving and giving. And I think that's a misconstruction of the servant leader. The servant leader is investing in if you look at like a tree, you're at the roots of the tree and you're nourishing it and you're nourishing and nourishing and nourishing because the tree has to grow. And so as a tree grows, then it has branches and then those branches have leaves and all of that bears fruit, right? And that's a time thing. Of course, you want to invest in the kind of soil that has the possibility to generate fruit. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to discern that. Otherwise, yes, you will be taken advantage of. Oh, it happened all the time. Yeah. But I learned from it. It's a learning experience. It's a learning experience. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So you believe in passive income clearly, right? Yes. There's no yes. doubt. So how do you manifest that now? Do you still sell Amway? No. In the beginning of 2020, I shut that down. Not Equinox either. Have you ever heard of Equinox? I have not heard of Equinox. Have Equinox? Have you heard of Equinox? I have, but I'm not familiar with it. They had water filters years ago. I guess I'm dating myself. This was back in the 90s. They sell that in Walmart or stores now, right? I guess so. Well, the Equinox went out of business, but they had lots of vitamins, hair supplies, all kinds of stuff. And my buddy sold it and he wanted me to join. I was like, man, I'm not going to do it, but I'll buy a water filter from you. Sure. It's like a 
I don't know, like a $700 water filter is probably like, you know, 35 bucks today. So they end up going out of business. I was always very entrepreneurial. Sure. And so when they went out of business, he messaged me and said, Hey, you can get stuff for pennies on the dollar. So I was like, great. So I had my cell phone business and I had all my employees and friends calling all the lines so that they can buy as much because it was, I mean, literally pennies. And I got pallets of stuff <laughs> delivered to <laughs> my so office. Awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, I know. So my whole office smelled fruity, like all the hair stuff. <laughs> and I started selling all this stuff. I think I got like, I don't know, maybe $300,000 worth of stuff for three grand. I can't remember, but it was a lot. And I didn't end up selling half of it, but sure. some of it, uh, Craigslist and all this other stuff. And then I donated the rest of it. But yeah. I, it's interesting how we're all, you know, everybody's had, not everybody, but a lot of people have had their hand in, you used to call it MLM back in the day, right? But we don't call it that anymore. We call yeah. it network marketing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So you were done with Amway and then what happened? So technically in 2017, my wife and I took advantage of an opportunity. It was, I remember this very clearly because we bought our first house in 2016 and we we're getting everything settled in. And then we were looking, we had been very frugal, mind you. We had been making pretty decent level of income in the Amway business, plus some of our speaking fees that we were getting for probably from 2014, 2015 through that time. And we were each making pretty good money in our day job. She was working as a dental hygienist at the time. I had a sales job at the time that I'd spent years of building up the account list. And I grew that list every year by 15, 20%. And basically we were just living in a 1200 square foot apartment and just saving and saving and saving. So we were looking for opportunities to be there buy real estate or a business or something. So we would have more passive income than just the Amway income coming in. Cause we basically saved all that. We believed in paying down a lot of our debt, which was just basically business debt. We didn't really have consumer debt when we got together, but we did the whole Dave Ramsey thing anyway. And so we tried to apply that to the, our business. And there's a lot that I could go into with that, but essentially we got to the spot where 2017, we got the opportunity to take on a medical business and in the dental industry. And I was not really about it in the beginning to be really transparent. This was Michelle's idea because there was a lot going on where we didn't want to wrap ourselves up with getting distracted by a shiny object. Like this could take a lot of time and energy. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. And she looked at it as just like, you know, she had dollar signs in her eyes, but she was also a lot better at like just doing math in the moment. And I joke around and say she whipped out a crayon and a sheet of paper and in 30 seconds drew up a business plan. But it has actually held true to that initial crayon moment. I mean, literally everything that she put on that paper has pretty much happened the way that she explained it to me. And I'd been in the dental the first go around. That's why I wasn't so enamored with the idea. And it's stressful. And there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you've got patience. It's not like we're just selling widgets. I mean, there's like the stakes are higher, right? And so we got to serve people. It's not like we're going to, you know, develop something over in China and then sell it, you know, after we pay, you know, pennies on the dollar for this thing. And then we're going to sell it for three bucks a pop. That's not what this type of business was going to be. And she obviously understood that she's very smart, but nor she, was it passive, nor was it passive. I had this thing where I was like, you know what? She supported me the last couple of years in my Amway endeavors. And we're still going after that pretty good, but she's never like told me, Hey, don't go do these meetings. Hey, don't go do this is my chance to just show her, hey, I believe in you, really is what it boiled down to. So we invested basically all the cash we had. We went into the six figures and just gutted this place. And we turned an oral surgery practice into a pediatric dental office. And 
we basically didn't have income for like seven months and we spent a lot of money to get in a pediatric dentist and we did all the things that we knew to do like we knew we weren't going to make any money initially we were going to go way into debt all these other things i had virtually a no limit amex because i had such a history with uh, my amway business with amex for such a long time and i used it for travel for years and everything else so thank goodness i had that because we could you know if we needed to replace a piece of equipment or whatever i mean gosh x-ray stuff is so expensive we bought you know eighteen thousand dollars worth of software we took paper charts converted them into digital and like all the patients that were in the practice previously it was an oral surgery practice so we didn't get reoccurring patients we just basically inherited a bunch of debt in that business after we invested all of this stuff and there was no immediate payoff to acquiring that business because like in a typical dental practice you've got what they call recare so people are coming in for cleanings and people's teeth eventually you know go bad right so you take their teeth out or do whatever you're going to do well in oral surgery it's not like that people refer you patients so they get their wisdom teeth out or get this implant done or do this or that and and then they go back to their general dentist so you hire oral surgeons well, well, not just, but pediatric dentists. We have dental anesthesiologists. There's a lot of moving pieces of that. Nurses. Right. I mean, we've All had, that's on payroll. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, our payroll has been seven figures annually yeah. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. So did you get back into passive income after the dental practice? Yes. So we eventually, I started adopting things that I'd learned from Amway to try to help Michelle realize, because she's there's a lot here to talk about, but I'll try to keep this really brief. She can problem solve stuff better than anyone I've ever seen in a dental setting, medical setting, because she grew up around this stuff and she worked as a hygienist for so many years. Her business acumen is just incredible for patient flow and what people should do to, you know, basically the customer service soft skills of taking care of patients and all these things. Well, what ended up happening was I was like, we need to look at scaling out of this business. We need to look at bringing people in that we can train that can handle $100 problems. So you and I can handle $10,000 problems. And then once we have people to do that, then we can train people to handle $10,000 problems. We can handle $100,000 problems. And I mean, I'm this, this is hypothetical. I'm just using it as an example. But essentially, I'm trying to help her understand her time was way more valuable than doing what an office manager should be doing. She should be doing what an administrator does. And then eventually replace her position with an administrator and then eventually keep on going so that like last year, I think she said that she probably averaged maybe a couple hours a week, maybe like two, three hours a week, actually doing anything for the practice. Dude, I love that. I love how in JR, of course, his mind is like, yes, thank you. Somebody who understands systems and processes, right? I love it. My mind's just spinning. <laughs> yeah. But that's missing in so many businesses, right? Yeah. Don't know how to get sales. Don't know about systems and processes. You deal with this all the time. Every day. In your coaching and what we deal with, especially when we're working with our BLN members, right? And those are several of our pillars. But you're also help people. Yeah, I do that too. So I, ever since shutting down the network marketing in early 2020, I went into this frenzy of trying to figure out how can I replace my network marketing passive income? Because mind you, because of my success story that I had, I was very young and I had a certain level of success. So they farmed that out. I mean, I got opportunities to speak internationally and I mean, they treated me good for a while. I'm indebted to some of those people for just treating me so good for so long. But here's the thing. I mean, I met a lot of really influential people and other people that could put me in touch with other people. So my network grew exponentially when during this time frame. So I've met all kinds of financial professionals that just don't handle like 401k stuff that do like all kinds of other things like tax mitigation vehicles. And I've met people that have different types of accredited investment opportunities. I've met people that do really big things with real estate. And I've got friends from childhood that are really, really knocking it down in 
the real estate market. But there's how important is the network? Oh, it's your net worth. Literally, it can equal your net worth. Your network directly impacts your your net worth if you know how to leverage that. And so what Stone Coast turned into is this conduit for me to get people in touch with my connections. Mm -hmm. And then since then, I've gotten into buying into other businesses. And so that's another arena that I want to try to expose other people to. How can you own fractional shares of other businesses or get into business in the e-commerce space. There's a lot of things that people can do that they should be doing as long as they know how to automate it because you don't want to buy a job. That's the biggest problem that I see with entrepreneurs is that they don't want to invest enough to where they want an opportunity, but they also want a passive opportunity, but then they don't pay enough to get the right opportunity that can actually be passive. They actually buy themselves into a job. So passive to me, I love this by the way, and I know JR, you love it too. Thanks. Just being a member of our community. Oh yeah. It's I mean, you bring a ton of value, Yeah, which, I mean, I talked to you before. It's like, we want to have further conversations about what can we do differently that you've learned from Mm -hmm. your businesses that we can definitely perfect and improve what our process looks like. Hey, absolutely. Agreed. No, I've pulled so much value too from the BLN community. I mean, it's been really awesome. And obviously we're here in St. Louis. We're getting ready to do BLN Live. BLN is in Nancy. By the yeah. way, yeah, for, uh, for, for our, <laughs> you know, I never, when I, when, I, network. when I was thinking about the name, I never really thought about the yeah, acronym, the, the, the or, correlation, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, you said something that's really important in terms of passive. And I just talked about this on an episode with Travis and Sam on our business Monday episode, a philosophy about passive income, how you can really gauge whether something is truly passive. Yeah. Can you automate it? Can you delegate it? And can you eliminate it? I love that. Right. That's so, really good. And I wonder, and I asked the question, so Say you have a 16-year-old who has $4,000 and they don't know how to start a business. Maybe they've had a couple runs, but they want to begin to take that and they don't want to put it in the market. They want to buy into some kind of a fractional business. Would that be an amount that's worth investing or is it a $10,000? Is it 20? What's a number? So one of the things that I'm excited to talk to people about this weekend is that there's so many different opportunities. And now because of technology, there's so many different platforms that people can go to and actually buy fractional shares of businesses for under, you know, $50,000. Like I remember a time when like I took a picture of one on the plane because I figured that I could use this as an example. So I'm literally flipping through one of the magazines on the plane. You're going to love this. And literally I'm looking at the details of this thing and it says right on here, it's this company. I'm not going to say the name of it. They're not paying me, so I'm not going to give them any juice, but basically something capital and the minimum investment (laughs) for one of these commercial real estate investments is 50 grand. That's not uncommon because it's probably you have to be an accredited investor in order to be able to get a piece of that. But of course you got to scan the QR code. You got to go through their intake funnel essentially, and basically post your income. Do you have accreditation paperwork? I'm sure they're going to ask for that. You know, like there's stuff there. Well, now with technology and you can do unaccredited funds, like Grant Cardone's done this with like Cardone Capital. He's got like five different funds and he just banners it all under one thing. And there's an unaccredited and there's an accredited. Like everyone's starting to get the vision. If it takes me, like if I can raise a billion dollars with 10 people or a billion dollars with a thousand people, you're going to do it with a thousand people all the time because of all of the other things that come out of that fund. And that's one of the other projects I'm working on with one of my buddies who's big time, a commercial real estate person. And the whole idea is how can you make people a lot of money while you also profit well yourself? So real quick, that comment then, is it 6%? Is it 10? Is it 20? What kind of returns do you, of course it ranges, I'm sure, but 
Sure, sure. Well, some of the stuff that I'm really keen on right now, and I'll tell you why I'm keen on it here after I tell you what I'm keen on, is basically in the e-commerce space. Because most people, if they're really serious about generating passive income now, can probably afford to do this. And they might not think that they're able to, but here's what I know. Like network marketing, part of our presentation was, if it takes you however many years to save a million dollars, we would always compare it to like, you know, these examples were probably, you know, originally generated in the seventies and eighties back when a million dollars was worth something. But essentially it was still part of my presentation in the early two thousands. If you had a million dollars in the bank, you know, JR, here's what I'll tell you. Basically, if you're making returns at 5%, which is probably a safe number, you could be making, you know, $60,000 a year. Well, I mean, for a lot less than a hundred thousand dollars, not a million for a lot less than a hundred thousand dollars, you could basically be having a, an online business paying you $60,000 a year. But most people 10 years ago, 20 years ago, didn't have that opportunity. But now because of technology, that's a very, very real thing. And in fact, you could be making multiples of $60,000 a year off of a very nominal investment. But most people either a, they don't know who to trust, which is really a big thing because in the e-commerce industry itself, there are companies that are exploiting people's wealth that just don't care about what they're investing. Literally, like if they know you're, you know, you're on a list because of a certain income range, Nate, and literally they're like sending you material because they know that you make over seven figures. Here's what you're going to see. Really slick marketing material because they can afford to pay these people to talk directly to your pain points. So you'll then give them $200,000 for what I can go out and get for $50,000 because I've spent enough time making bad investments or making good investments and seeing the fruit of both. And so I basically am trying to save people 20 years worth of having to make these connections because of just some of the things that have been time compounded for me, just thanks to network marketing and other opportunities like that. That's part of one of my value adds is that I just save people virtually like 20 years of their life. I mean, that's what I'd like to present to them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Money is a weird thing and it can go on for a whole nother topic, but one thing I've learned as an entrepreneur and building different businesses, because early on in my entrepreneur career, I was scared to spend a penny. It's like, oh, shoot, you know, I got $100. I can't spend that because I got to, what if I can't make payroll? What if I can't do whatever? Sure. Or if it's $1,000, whatever it is. And I was terrified to do it. But now when I think about money, it's like, what is this investment going to do for me? And what is my return going to be able to get? And I'm paying ultimately for time. Yeah. And it goes back to the candy method. So we're thinking about the candy method. It's like, okay, you got the one piece candy, you got the two piece candy. And what are you willing to wait to be able to do it? But also the speed to be able to get your return back. Yeah. Because what people don't really understand is, okay, let's just say an investment for a product or service to be able to do it costs you $50,000. Yeah. Well, if you try to go do it on your own because you want a penny, you know, pinch every single penny to be able to do it, you're ultimately going to be spending more than fifty to $100,000 for that anyways, because now you're paying for someone to do your video production, your funnel business, your marketing, your graphics designing, the coaching, and everything you got to do it. It's going to be so way more than on. what it is. But if you just invested right off the bat, yes, it's going to hurt initially to be able to do that. But long-term, going to the candy method, your return is going to be much greater. See, I love that because, I mean, that's why people should work with UJR. I mean, like literally, like that's why they should use what you do with Creed Pro. But on a whole other note, I also apply that same thought process to active income. If you're going to go through the effort to work 40 hours a week, yeah. why not have money coming in like in substantial amounts outside of what you're doing so that that can just eventually become an optional thing? Yeah. Why do you want to have to do that forever? Because if you look at the stats, I mean... For a long time, when I was in the network marketing world, I had a pretty close friend who worked for the Department of Statistics and Labor, Bureau of Statistics and Labor, if I said that right. But basically, 
because he worked for that department, he could actually quote numbers of like different random facts. And what was really interesting were some of the numbers associated with people being able to retire or like the actual success rate of small businesses and other things. And a lot of it, I'm sure directly correlates to where the businesses that failed. I'm not saying that he said this, but I'm thinking in my own mind, I wonder how many of these small businesses didn't make the necessary investments up front to basically deliver, make quality deliverables to their clients or hire the right staff. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I've done it all right. I've made tons of mistakes and we've got a bunch of employees in the healthcare business. And I'm just now starting to add some employees to some of our other businesses and we're hiring out for different things and, and the other avenues that I have. But what's really interesting is that sometimes it hurts learning these lessons, but sometimes they're the most valuable lessons, the ones that cost you the most. Those sometimes, as long as you, you know, I could just bounce around. I'm not going to, but basically the ones that cost you the most are the ones that teach you the most, as long as you're not willing to quit. And Winston Churchill said this one quote, it's basically, he measures success by your ability to jump from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And I heard that from a movie called Molly's Game. We were watching this and basically my mother-in-law and, and my mother-in-law and uh, Michelle's younger sister went to, I think it was Boulder University to listen to the girl Molly speak. It was all based on a true story and she's going to that university. So it was kind of like a really interesting thing. Very interesting entrepreneurial story right there. But the whole thing was like, it really hit me. I'm like, man, I failed so much jumping from like, thing to thing, but like I had some success. Like I committed to the vision, had some success, and then now it's getting in applied to so many different areas. So I think that that's really a key thing for people to take away is that you have to have enthusiasm doing whatever you're doing, but don't get discouraged if it doesn't work out. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I just want to say like one topic on that and you're kind of going on to the investment in the money and things like that. One thing I found to be true, it's really hard to ask people to pay you premium dollar for a service that you've never been able to do for yourself. Oh my gosh. So yeah, if, you, if you're one, yeah, if you want to be able to get ass on and sell a product program service, whatever for $10,000, but you never spent more than a thousand dollars on yourself, you're gonna have a really hard time trying to convince someone to do that for you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. So when we're going into investments and saying, where do you want to put your money? I mean, you have to first look at it, Like, what are you willing to do for yourself? What risk are you willing to put in for yourself to be able to put out there to increase your level of education, to increase your skill set, what you're able to do? Because if you're not able to spend $5,000 or $10,000 and not getting resourceful to spend $50,000, guess what? You're going to be limited to what you're spending on yourself. So yeah. Yeah. The best salesperson is somebody that's already bought what they're selling. Exactly. That's the first sale you have to make. I mean, that's like sales 101. If you haven't bought into or bought the product that you're selling. Yep. I mean, even when I sold radio advertising, I bought advertising for the dental practice. <laughs> when yeah. I sold digital advertising in that business before we started our own digital advertising agency, I bought from my job, even though I didn't own that business. But now that I have a, my own digital advertising agency, well, I can buy my own programmatic display ads, but yeah. that's a whole other topic. But yeah. And you've had the passive income route. And what I like about what you do is people don't have to go out and sell products. They don't have to sell this fax service that's a personal digital assistant. It was actually pretty big back then. You're able to help people to have passive income streams through collaborative approach, it sounds like. Absolutely. It, the whole thing for me is people should be able to experience living their life without the thought of the financial repercussions of making a choice that's good for their family. And if the choice at that period of time dictates they need to not work so they can raise their kids, well, 
by golly, they should be able to make that decision. And the sad part of my perception of reality basically is I see society, I think a little differently. I see this system and the system profits off of keeping people at a certain economic level. Okay. There's a lot of things that go into this, but I think that if the system is keeping people at a certain level because of their habits and they prey on the habits of, you know, 90% of society, what ends up happening is that they never can get ahead. So why can't somebody come in that broke through that ceiling? Thank God, because I could still be there. I could still be falling prey to the same marketing, really whatever it is. But basically, I just feel like there's so many people that are stuck trying to figure out how they can live a life where they're not so dictated by the dollar bill. They're not so connected to greed where they feel like enough is never enough. Well, you can still be ambitious and you can still 10x your income, not selling 40 hours a week to your business or your job. I believe that we're living proof of it. Mm -hmm. You can still increase your income year after year and still not sell your life. Yeah. I'm glad that you're doing it. Hey, we feel very fortunate and we feel very blessed by all the people we've been able to meet like you guys. Yeah. It's good. Well, I'm blessed because of you. Huh. Man, I appreciate that. You got a great story, Brent. Glad to have you. And I can't wait for our event, which is starting in just two hours (laughs) in St. Louis, Missouri. It's our Entrepreneur Summit. It's our very first one. There will be more. Yeah. Yeah. So, Brent, thanks for being here, man. Hey, thank you for having me, Nate. This has been such a privilege. And I just, I thank so much to you guys. And this has just been such a fun time. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. And JR... Thanks for co-hosting my wingman. I mean, I get the master creed. You got to listen to JR's show. Tell everybody where they can find your show. You know, they can find it on any platform that they want, but typically Apple podcasts is where I like to you know, have most of it for the Daily Creed podcast. So awesome. It's called the Daily that, Creed. Yeah, and I have the Inspire Choice Network as well, that where I have the Business Leaders Network show. So that's streamed on more than 450 channels globally every week. So... Definitely getting a message out there. Absolutely. All right. Hey, let's go have some fun. Hey, let's go have some fun. Let's do it. Well, my friend, we did it again. I'm so glad you joined me on this episode of A Call to Leadership. If you've been with me on the show, listening in, you'll know this. But if you're new, you may not know that I created a free course for you that you don't need to provide an email address. You don't need to go anywhere, but to stay right here in the podcast. I created the very first six episodes of the podcast because I wanted you to have the kind of value that you need to take advantage of to thrive as a leader. So if you haven't done that yet, listen to episodes one through six, and I'll see you on the next episode. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership.